this week's Adam Schefter podcast, two head coaches at two different levels. Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley, who helped Baker Mayfield become the number one overall pick in the draft. And Lincoln Riley will talk about what Mayfield has done right and what he expects him to continue doing at the NFL level. And then we'll be joined by the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, Steve Wilkes, whose team traded up in the draft to number 10 overall to go select former UCLA quarterback Josh Rosen. Riley on Mayfield, Wilkes on Rosen, and plenty more on this week's Adam Schefter podcast. Coach Riley. Yes. I got to ask you, after the draft last week, what it was like for you to watch one of your players go with the number one overall pick. Yeah, a little surreal. Um, Just... You know, that's something that's obviously not going to happen very much, no matter where you're at. And then just, you know, having been with Baker uh, the last three years, kind of seeing, you know, where he started. And even even last year, you know, we had some conversations with teams as he was trying to, you know, decide last year what he was going to do. And everybody's sitting there telling me he's going to be a probably a fourth or fifth round pick. And, you know, and then all of a sudden here he is, the first pick in the draft. So yeah, it's, a, it's a, when you really stand back and, and look at it, it, the whole story is pretty unbelievable. Um, but it's, uh, I thought it was the right decision. I thought he was the best player, um, and uh, I'm excited for this next part of his journey. What's the most unbelievable part of that story to you? Uh, probably just his, I mean, obviously kind of where he, where he came from, where he started, the different uh, bumps in the road to get to where he's at, and, and then probably just through it all his self-belief uh, that – it was as strong as it was in, in some of the different situations, whether it's, you know, walking on as a true freshman at Texas Tech and winning the starting job or, or you know, making the decision to come to Oklahoma when Trevor Knight had just played, you know, one of the great all-time bowl games in, in beating Alabama. Winning that job, uh, the ups and downs, uh, mostly ups through his time here, winning the big three, three straight Big 12 championships. I mean, the whole thing is just kind of – and then at the end of the day, being a – Six foot one quarterback that you know that ran what did he run four eight you yeah. know and and uh, that the fact to me that people saw past that I, I don't think this would have happened ten years ago but I, I give the NFL guys credit I mean I think they saw past a, a, a lot of things that to me don't have much to do with playing quarterback but maybe in, in yeah. previous years would have held them back and uh, yeah and I think they just went out and drafted the best player in the draft. So what do you think has changed in the NFL or the way that teams look at quarterbacks in the 10 years that allowed Baker to go number one? Yeah, I would say the the success of some of the other quarterbacks in the league that aren't 6'4", um, I think has been a big part of it. You know, you got, you've got you uh, got obviously what Russell's done, what Drew Brees has done. Even a guy to me like Garoppolo, who's not a, you know, not a big physically imposing guy. I know he's not, I know he's a little bit taller than 6'1", but not much. And uh, so... I think that has had an impact, and then I think where the league is going schematically has had a big impact uh, in that, you know, what they're doing is so much closer to what's happening in the college game uh, to me than it's ever been. I mean, watching the Super Bowl, going back and watching it on our our coaches' tape, I mean, it looks like you're watching a game in the Big 12 conference. I mean, it's teams are in the shotgun, teams are – you know, balancing, running and throwing the ball, and it's high-powered offenses, mixing in some RPOs. I mean, it's uh, – I think the time demands that obviously have changed so much in the NFL have, have have come a lot closer to what we have with our kids here as far as how much you can coach them, what you can do schematically. So, 
yeah, I think they're I think they're the gap has really you know closed, and I think it's going to continue to head in that direction. You know, it's funny before we even started this conversation, one of the things that I had written down that I wanted to ask you was, what evidence are you seeing that the NFL is ready to embrace the evolution of college offensive schemes? And I guess you saw that in the Super Bowl. So, do you think that that's going to be more and more prevalent, Coach Riley? Absolutely, I, I, I believe that. I believe that any time somebody has success, that other people are going to look at that and uh, and they're going to see why they're having success and try to, to copy or build that into their own schemes. And so, and it just it certainly feels to me. And again, I haven't been in that league, you know, been around it a little bit, but it just feels like to me there is more of an open mindedness to to share ideas, to to study what college offenses are doing, and then to carry it over. I. You know, saw a lot of times, you know, in the NFL this year that maybe something you 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 did or you saw another team do on Saturday, all of a sudden you're seeing it the next Sunday. Uh, and uh, so, I, I just think that, again, the schemes are so much closer. Uh, and I think there's just a more of an open mindedness that hey, this stuff actually does work pretty good. And if it can work for those guys in college, it might work for us up here. Yeah, I know that coaches like to watch all levels of the game, and pro coaches, NFL coaches, watching college coaches. Are college coaches watching what goes on in the NFL to see if there's something that you could mimic or imitate or use on a Saturday? Absolutely, absolutely. No, I think there's there's great coaches at all three levels, and uh, so there's things we've seen from high school guys that we've taken. There's things we've seen from NFL guys and taken. So I think you, I think you just find people that you that you respect what they do schematically. You know that have some type of similarity to you or you know, show outstanding creativity, um, and, and, and you learn from it. You watch, and you may watch two or three games and only pick up one thing, but that one thing could be a, could be a game changer. So we, we definitely we definitely do it here. Uh, got, you know, some teams that we yep. really enjoy watching and, and certainly pick up on some things. Who are some of the people that you do enjoy watching? Well, I've enjoyed New England, you know, for the last several years. I think they've been, at, you know, cutting edge offensively, you know, with what they've done, especially with all the different pieces. Uh, you know, to me, the Chiefs, Andy Reid, have, have always been fun to watch. The Packers, uh, the Saints, uh, there, there are several now. The, the Eagles this year, I thought, did a tremendous job. So uh, there's uh, obviously the Rams, what, what Sean McVay did in one year, the transformation there offensively was was, was really, really something. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of great ones to watch, and uh, like I said, I, with the way the league's trending, I think we're going to continue to have more carryover, more opportunities to learn from each other. How would you approach it if you were an NFL coach of the game today? Well, I think it depends. Offensively, it depends on your quarterback. I mean, I think at the at the end of the day, whoever your guy is, you've got to build a system around you know what he can do best, and uh, of course, of course, you have your 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 core principles, the base things that you want to do, but you better. You better tailor it around your players, and especially what that cat can do. And so, uh, I think you I think you start there. Um, I think you obviously have to have a good mix of, of running and passing the ball, no matter where you're at. And you got to be able to create big plays, uh, no matter where you're at. But it's I, I think I think it's more important than ever to me to have the open mindedness of of you know what are the players I have, what are the advantages we have, and now let's let's build it from there. You mentioned the cat you have, Baker Mayfield. How a year ago. Somebody would have said he was a fourth or fifth round pick. What changed that enabled him to go from a fourth or fifth round pick to the number one overall pick? Oh, how much better was he? He was definitely better. Uh, was he that much better? No, I, I, I didn't. I, I, I 
I wouldn't have taken him in the fourth or fifth round the year before. I'd have taken him a hell of a lot sooner than that. <laughs> I just, uh, I think, I think part of it was when people actually came out here and saw him when they got to get in a, you know, in a meeting room with him and see how much he did, you know, offensively for us as far as you know communication, being aware of fronts, all the different things he's going to be asked to do at the next level. They got to see his football intelligence. Uh, his his overall knowledge of the game, um, and then just got to see his personality up front. I think people got a little bit better idea that, I, like I I really think there was a misconception when he first started playing here that he was like Rudy, you know mm-hmm. that I mean that he was just some untalented guy that was just making it totally on guts and had no talent, and that wasn't the case. I mean the guy's got you know a lot of very very unique skills that I think when people got to see it up close and personal they. They did, and then I think just continuing to to play well on big stages like he did as a senior, doing it with some of the different supporting casts that we've had here at Oklahoma, um, I think just further reinforced the kind of player he is. Having watched the pro game, how is he going to fare at the next level in your assessment? Well, I think he's got every every skill set necessary to, to – to be a great player at that level. Uh, most importantly, he has the physical tools. Most importantly, like I said earlier, he's got the belief in himself. Uh, now, the situation he's going into, regardless of what team it is, you've got to have others around him doing your part. You know, Nobody can ever do it by themselves. He didn't do it by himself here. He was a big part of it, but he had – you know, Sterling Shepard and D.D. Westbrook and Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon and even this last year, Rodney Anderson and Marquise Brown and, and then one of the best offensive lines in football uh, around him. So, you know, he, he's he's going to do his part. Uh, I, I feel very confident about that. I think he'll adjust very well. Um, and so, you know, you, you, you put some good ones around this guy and then just let him grow and, and, uh, and you know, continue to build the offense around what he does well. I think you're going to get a, 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 just an elite competitor and, and a guy that is going to believe in himself and, and, and have a ton of confidence every time he steps on the field. That's quite a talent pool from Norman to the NFL right there, the list of players that you just rattled off. I hadn't realized it was that extensive, Coach. It is. It is. He played with some great ones. You know, that's not even counting Mark Andrews, Orlando Brown. I mean, you know, there's we've we've had several here in the last few years. So that's, uh, you know, it it takes everybody. You got to have a scheme that they believe in. You got to have a mentality. You got to have talented players. You got to have, uh, you know, guys that are that are humble, guys that accept the roles. And and we've been lucky to have. Uh, a good group, and that's, I think, a big reason why we've had the success we've had offensively. I asked you about Baker Mayfield. Orlando Brown went in the third round with the 83rd overall pick to Baltimore. What kind of pro is Orlando Brown going to be? I think he's going to be tremendous. I mean, the guy just, he started every game here at left tackle that I've been here uh, three straight years. Uh, just one of those guys that you just never had to worry about him on that left side. I mean, I don't ever remember going into a game no matter who we were playing, Auburn, Georgia, Clemson, you name it. I mean, some of the best defensive lines in football. I, I, I never, Ohio State, I never remember going into a game being worried about his matchup on that side. Uh, he's, uh, you know, been tremendous at protecting the passer for us. And then in the run game, he really made some big strides. He became a just a dominant run blocker. I mean, a guy that would just eliminate one side of the line and, create so much movement that that really gave us a lot of a lot of air in the run game to be able to to make some big plays so he loves the game he's still young he's uh still maturing still growing uh i think he's but he's he's got the pedigree obviously and he's got a, a love 
a love for the game and a hunger uh, and and just a, a a true grit about him that you want from all your great offensive linemen. So yeah, I got a lot of belief in that kid. Three picks later, the same Baltimore Ravens team also took your tight end Mark Andrews. How is he going to fare at the NFL level? Yeah, excited to see it for Mark. You know, he's got such a unique skill set. You know, in that he's a, a tight end that has big playability. You know, and at a, you know you don't see many guys six five two fifty that can run after the catch and be true weapons. You normally think about your backs or your receivers being the guys that, hey, let's get it in their hands, and, and every now and then they're going to make some big, big plays for us. Where this guy, he can run after the catch. He can make people miss. He can take the ball 60 yards. And it, uh, to me, at that position, that is so rare. So, uh, yeah, he's, I think, got a chance to be really, really good. He, he to me, is also still growing within the position. Uh, made some huge strides here, but I still think he's got some room to grow and continue to uh, mature as a player. Uh, but he's his talent is undeniable, frames undeniable. He's he's a great kid. He's going to work his tail off, and I think he'll be a tough matchup. You know, when when you got a guy that size that can move like he can, he he uh, he's going to create some problems for some people. The other Oklahoma player pick this year, coach, was. And I hope I get the pronunciation correct here. Obo Okronkwo. Did I say that correct? You did correctly? well. You did well. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate I worked at that. I practiced that before. Hey, I, I needed practice too. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> well, anyway, the Rams took him in the fifth round with the 160th overall selection. How's he going to fare at linebacker for them? Yeah, he's a he's a unique player. I mean, he's one of the elite pass rushers in college football over the last two years. I mean, the guy has a gift to do it and I think the thing that makes him so tough as a pass rusher is he can combine the the burst the twitch that you want to see off the edge with with also just an unusual strength for a guy his size so he can he can win with speed but he can also win with power and then he's got that to me that relentless attitude that that all great pass rushers have too so another guy that you know played heavily for us as a junior and senior did not play much as a as a uh freshman and sophomore so I still think he's got a lot of room to grow in his game but he'll start off by rushing the passer well and then I think he'll become a better every down player as it goes on and that was that was his his path here he he started off as a true situational guy and grew into an every down player and I foresee a similar path for him in the NFL I asked you about those four players and how they'll fare next year how are the Oklahoma Sooners going to fare by replacing a Heisman winning quarterback and trying to get back into the national championship hunt yeah, we're excited. You know, we we've really had two just tremendous recruiting classes in a row. There, there's so much momentum uh, behind the program right now that you can just you can just feel it. So we we had a really good football team this last year, and and but we we feel like our best days are ahead. And so I think there's a lot of excitement within our walls, and a lot of young talented players that I'm sure I'll be talking to you about <laughs> here in the next few years. Who's the one guy I got to keep my eye on for the future, there, Coach? Oh man. We got a few, you know. We got a few. We got a couple of a couple more offensive linemen, you know. That Bobby Evans, uh, you know, uh, Drew Samia, they're going to be really good players. Um, you know, Marquise Brown and C.D. Lamb are two receivers that had really nice years for us. That I think have, have, have certainly got a chance. Rodney Anderson had a tremendous year running back, uh, especially the second half of the season. Uh, a couple young DBs, uh, a young linebacker, Kenneth Murray. So we got a couple guys that are going to make some noise here, hopefully here for us in a, a few years, and then uh, and then up there with you guys. And, and up here with us guys, you talk so much about the NFL here. You watch the game. Any interest in one day making the jump to the NFL level? I don't know. I, not not anything that's in my mind right now. I I, I love where I'm at, and I, I really love kind of coaching this age group. So I I don't know that you ever say never, uh, but I, 
you know, I, I feel like I got the best job in the country right now. I love coaching at Oklahoma, so I'm going to try to be the best one I can here. Hey, Coach Riley, I really appreciate taking some time for us. Thank you very much. Congratulations on all the players that you continue to put into the NFL and lots of luck this upcoming season. Oh, great. Thanks, Adam. Thanks I- for having me on. Good morning, Adam. How Hi, you Coach. How you doing? Man, I'm, I'm doing well. Yourself? What do you like about the Cardinals roster so far since you've taken that job? Well, I've been on the, on the job 105 days. When you go back and look at it, you know, we didn't have a quarterback on the <laughs> roster at the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had some holes in the offensive line. Uh, we had some other issues across the board. So, uh, again, uh, I say this all the time, it's, 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 sight is totally different from vision. you got to see past the difficulties. And, you know, I came in, I had a vision, and uh, I believe everything starts up front. You know, and that's why we went out and got – you know, Justin Pugh, Andre Smith to try to shoot up the offensive line. Uh, I think David Johnson, in my opinion, is is the best in the business. And uh, we're very fortunate to add some more pieces to the offensive line in the draft. Uh, and then most importantly, you know, uh, we moved up. We talked about being aggressive from day one, you know, trying to get a quarterback. You know, and we did that in free agency with uh, Bradford as well as Glennon. But we saw an opportunity to be able to try to go up and grab something for the future in Josh Rosen. And uh, Steve Kahn did a tremendous job in orchestrating that. You bring up Josh Rosen. What do you recall about his meeting to the Cardinals complex pre-draft? Because there's been a lot of discussion about that. People saying that that was a memorable visit. And I'm wondering what stood out about that visit to you, Coach. Well, I think the biggest thing, too, we, we could tell on film that this guy is a phenomenal player. And without a doubt, I thought he was the best quarterback coming out from the standpoint of accuracy and being able to uh, make all the throws. Uh, everybody talked about his personality on uh, off the field. And I believe in, in this right here. You know, I, I'm not about trying to change people's personality. You know, I went through the same scenario with Josh Norman. Uh, but I also believe in trying to work that personality within the confinements of the uh, of the team. And he's wired a little different, which is great. Um, and when he came in, you know, you could really see the core of the person. And uh, we always talk about a certain DNA. This guy loves to compete, uh, fierce competitor, don't like to lose, uh, commands the room. He's going to command that huddle. He's going to command the locker room. He had all the qualities that we're looking for. And, um, you know, he's going to come in and do some tremendous things for us. So it, it was great. His time with uh, Mike McCoy by and left, which was great. He's smart. He understands the game. Um, his time with Steve Kime as well as Michael Bidwell, the owner, was outstanding. You know, so it all worked out. When, when you say it all worked out, what do you remember about that draft night? Because you're sitting there at number 15. You traded up to number 10 to go get Josh Rosen. Josh Allen comes off the board at number seven. What do you remember about that period of time, Coach, where you made the move up from 15 to 10 and the reaction in the room when you're making that move? Well, you know, once once Baker went number one, we knew some things were going to shake up a little bit and uh, just really didn't know which guy was going to fall. Uh, we knew Buffalo was going to try to make a, a move up, uh, which they did. And uh, their guy uh, was, was Allen, you know, the weather, strong arm guy mm-hmm. can make those throws. Uh, so when that happened, we started talking and, um, you know, Steve got on the phone, him and uh, Mike Disner started working some things and uh, contacting Oakland. And uh, we were able to make that deal, and the room just started lightening up, man. You could just tell. It's like, okay, this is going to happen for us. And Michael got on the phone. He started calling, you know, Dallas, the people that were down there, trying to get the uh, get the name in. So 
uh, it was great. Again, Steve did a tremendous job. And uh, when it all happened, man, it was like, okay, we finally got our guy. So uh, it was, it's exciting. Now, you said when you took the job, <laughs> there were zero quarterbacks on the roster. And a lot of head coaches, when they pick jobs, they do that knowing who their quarterback was going to be. And you talked about your vision. What was your vision when there were zero quarterbacks on the roster about what it would look like at the quarterback position? Well, well, throughout this interview process, um, you know, Kyle and I have built this relationship. Um, we were on the same page. Everything I talk about starts with trust. You know, it's that trust, accountability, and commitment. And, um, you know, we're we're in line from day one. And as I talked to him about trying to build this thing with the offensive line and, and really trying to build it around David and protecting the quarterback, whoever that may be, uh, you know, we're all on board. And then the thing we talked about was trying to be aggressive in free agency, and I knew that was going to be the plan. Um, and, you know, we tried to work some things out, and we ended up getting, um, you know, Sam, and we got uh, Mike, and then all of a sudden we said, well, you know what, we can't stop there. If there's an opportunity in the draft, you know, we're going to be aggressive as well. So uh, I think the biggest thing is just really with uh, Steve and I just having the same vision and being on the same page. So there is Sam Bradford right now. There is Mike Glennon right now. There is Josh Rosen right now. How will you handle the depth chart going forward into training camp and if you were starting a game tomorrow, preseason game number one tomorrow, who starts a quarterback? Sam Bradford is our quarterback. You know, um, he's our starting quarterback as of today. And uh, as we said from day one, we, we brought him in uh, to be the starter. And when he's healthy, uh, he's one of the best in the business right now. You know, he can make every throw. He's, you know, extremely accurate. Uh, and we've seen that over the years. Um, but again, you know, as I told the guys after the draft, um, I said, you know, 90% of the guys, I told them really before the draft going on that Thursday, I said 90% of our success is standing right here in this circle. And it was after practice. I said the other 10%, we're going to make some moves um, next three days. I said, but that 10% is not going to really affect if we don't show these guys the way. So, um that 90% is going to be a major part of what we're going to do. The 10% that's coming in on Thursday all right, is going to continue to help us move forward. But, you know, as long as Sam is healthy, mm-hmm. he's out there. And uh, we're going to bring Josh along. He's, uh, I said again, very eager to get here. He's excited. Uh, these guys are going to work well together. Mike understands and knows his role in that room as well. He's going to assist and help those guys in any way. So we're in a great situation, you know, again, going back 105 days from now. And to say that we would have, you know, <laughs> these three guys on the roster, I'd take it. <laughs> you would have been very happy if Steve Kime, your general manager, had said to you, Bradford, Glennon, Rosen, those are our three, our trio quarterbacks going into camp, huh? No question. So, again, uh, in a great great situation, now we just got to go out and coach and and, and play. Is Sam Bradford healthy right now, Coach? Oh, he's looking great. You know, he's moving around well uh, between Brett Fisher and uh, Buddy Morris. Those guys are doing a tremendous job. And really with his rehab and his progression and and, uh, talking to Sam the other day, he said, Coach, this is the best I've I've felt in a long time. And you can really see it, you know, in phase two out there, moving around and throwing the football. He looks good. How much longer does Larry Fitzgerald have left in your eyes? Well, you know, I'm very fortunate and blessed that he's back this year. Um, just a, a tremendous person. We know what kind of player he is, first ballot Hall of Famer. But he, he brings just so much to the locker room and would have First year uh, head coach coming into a situation like this, you need a guy uh, that's your voice, uh, advocate for you in that locker room. And I couldn't really ask for anybody 
any anybody better than him, man. So hopefully that uh, we can get two more years out of him, but uh, we'll see. You know, there are a lot of great men in the league, but last week when Jason went and retired, there was a huge send-off for him in Dallas. And I was thinking, who else would get that kind of send-off in the NFL today? And one of the very first players that came to my mind was Larry Fitzgerald because that's the kind of career that he's had. That's the way he's treated people, interacted with his community, gotten involved, and made a mark. Jason Witten, Larry Fitzgerald, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. I'm sure there are others I'm forgetting, but there's a small list of people who are Pro Bowl players on the field and Pro Bowl men off it as well. So you got a great guy there in Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, Coach, let me ask you about your draft class, just what comes to mind when I say to you each of your other draft picks. Christian Kirk. Uh, smart, uh, playmaker, uh, you know, again, you know, he has that certain DNA. The guy competes, um, and he doesn't like to lose. And to be able to get a guy like that, a hometown guy, is, it's exciting. Uh, so, What's his role for the rookie year do you envision right now going in? Well, I expect him to uh, do some great things. You know, I'm not one of the guys who's going to try to hold, you know, rookies back. The best 11 are going to play, and I, I'm hoping that he's going to be one of the best 11 out there. So, um, you know, he can play inside. He can play outside. Uh, we're going to move him around. You know, Mike's going to do a great job in putting him in a position to be successful. How about your third-round pick, Mason Cole, the offensive lineman from Michigan and my fellow co-captain on the day that I was an honorary captain last September? You know, gritty, uh, hard-nosed. Uh, great competitor, you know. You're talking about a, a guy that started as a freshman. Uh, you mentioned captain. Uh, you know, again, he has all the uh, the traits and the DNA that we're looking for. And um, got a very close friend. He's like my little brother, Pep Hamilton, up there at Michigan. Huh. And um, just just talk, you know, raves about him. So uh, very excited to get him as well. He fits right into our mode up front. How are you and Pep so close? I'm trying to think. Do you coach together in San Diego or Chicago? Well, or well we we coach together in in, um, in uh, Chicago, but we grew up five houses away from each other. He was <laughs> a little younger right? than me. He went to same high school, same neighborhood. Yes. Mm-hmm. How about that small little world yeah. right there? Uh, your yeah. fourth round pick, Chase Edmonds, the running back. You know, uh, again. Uh, all around running back, uh, can run in between the tackles, uh, has the speed, take it to the distance to get outside. But most importantly, when you talk about pass pro, uh, this guy's physical. Yeah. You know, some may question his size, but he'll step up in there and, um, you know, stick his nose in there. So those are certain things that we look at. You know, there's no utopia, there's no complete player. But when you start thinking about, um, you know, David Johnson and what he can do, his ability, you know, he brings that three-down element, and, you know, and Chase does the same thing. So very excited to get him as well. And Sick. Kirby, he Kirby was uh, very excited when, when I when I reached out to him downstairs and told me about to pull the trigger on him. So um, you left. Did something funny happen when you told Kirby that story? What you were picking him? Well, you know, we we you know we we stayed true to our board, and um, you know, I always try to let the coaches know exactly what's going on from a standpoint of um, you know who, what, what we're thinking upstairs. So when when I told him that, you know. He, he was very excited, so and, and and so were we. I hope Dave Merritt was excited with your sixth round pick, Christian Campbell, the cornerback. 
Oh, he was. He was. And uh, David came upstairs, and, and you know, I'm sure you spent a lot of time with David as well as Al, and he came upstairs and he had that, that smile on his face. So um, <laughs> uh, he's very excited as well. So we got some good players, man. And like I tell the coaches now, I said, you know, now it's time for us to go to work, you know. Uh, I can't say this enough, and every time I have an opportunity, I always talk about this. You talk about a vision, uh, and that vision was putting together a great staff. You know, a guy, a bunch of guys, number one, were great teachers, uh, outstanding communicators, and most important, guys that can develop players, because that's what this league is all about. You know, you got to develop guys, and uh, that's what I have on my staff. Well, you do have some great men, and you've got a great opportunity, and I appreciate taking some time today to join us, Coach. Thank you very much. Good luck with the mini camp this weekend and good luck during the 2018 season thank you adam take care thank you coach i appreciate you ask adam ask adam ask adam ask adam Adam. we should ask adam and adam it's been a couple weeks since uh we've cleaned out the voicemail inbox so what do you say we get to a couple questions today looking forward to doing it again josh post draft a lot of listeners are still wondering about some of the highest profile draft picks, one of which, of course, was Saquon Barkley, which led to this voicemail. What's going on, guys? This is Mike from Cromwell, Connecticut. Do you guys think Saquon Barkley will rush for over 1,000 yards a season? <laughs> well, Mike from Trumbull, Connecticut, I have to be honest with you. When, when, when you talk about Saquon Barkley rushing for over 1,000 yards in his rookie year. That's not like the accomplishment it once was. He's got to average 62.5 yards per game to rush for 1,000. If he doesn't run for 1,000 and you're using the second pick in the draft on Saquon Barkley, I think it's a disappointment, to be perfectly frank. So 1,000 yards to me is not the barrier that it once was when we were growing up and there were 14 games, and I just – I don't see that being a problem. If if Saquon is what the Giants think he is, what everyone has said he is, this generational running back, 1,000 yards easy, Mike. Not an issue at all. Uh, the bigger thing will be the type of impact he has on the team and whether they can turn it around from last year. And I think he, I think he can, they can, and it should be a very nice year for the New York Giants. Another high-profile draft pick, of course, was Lamar Jackson, who landed in Baltimore, which leads us to this voicemail. Hi, Adam. It's Ian from Annapolis, Maryland. And I was wondering what you think about all the Ravens acquisitions. And with all the hype surrounding Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. is there any chance he could see the field this year? Maybe in Wildcats, special teams, anything. Well, I thought the Ravens had one of the best drafts of any team out there, which is really no great surprise. Ozzie Newsom, his final draft, 22 of them with the Baltimore Ravens, and has had a Hall of Fame general manager career to go along with his Hall of Fame tight end career. I mean, Hayden Hurst should be an immediate contributor right away. And Lamar Jackson at the end of the first round, I'll tell you what. Again, we we don't know what kind of quarterback he's going to be over time. But there is no doubt that he can make an impact next year. And I don't think he's beating out Joe Flacco for the starting job. Although I will say this, if Joe struggles and the team is not winning, the cries in Baltimore are only going to grow louder and louder earlier and earlier. But... I think that the Ravens and their offensive coordinator, Marty Morningwig, who work with Michael Vick in Philadelphia, will have packages for Lamar Jackson on third and short, third down packages, red zone packages, where they can bring him in. And if nothing else, it is another element that opposing defenses will have to worry about, spend the week game planning for, preparing for. It'll take away some of their other preparation time. So Lamar Jackson's going to play next year. He's going to play right away. Uh, the question is how much. And... No one knows that yet, but it'll be something. It'll be certainly significant, and 
Again, key packages, the Lamar Jackson package, I expect to be in place for Baltimore in the 2018 season. And finally, we close it out going from one of the quarterbacks of the future to one of the best quarterbacks in the present day, Cam Newton and his Carolina Panthers. Hey, Adam, this is Ethan Myers calling. Um, why are the Carolina Panthers the, being the most slept team on in the NFL <laughs> since the Super Bowl and they went 6-10? and 10, It's like everyone forgot about them. They make the playoffs this year, but they don't win the division. Before that, they won the division three years in a row. Everyone talks Breeze, Ryan, but no one's saying Newton. Why is the team so slept on? Well, Ethan, I will say this, that, again, they did a six-win season, so I think that is in people's thinking. Uh, but but who says people aren't talking about the Carolina Panthers? You know, it's always interesting to me when fans say, you know, why, why are people not giving my team the respect that it deserves? What does it matter? Like, I guarantee you this, if Carolina goes out this year and wins the NFC South, they're going to get all the plaudits that you can handle, Ethan. Like, they'll get all the praise that they're entitled to, that they deserve. It's a good roster. I mean, Cam Newton's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You've got a running game with Christian McCaffrey and Fozzie Whitaker and, and, and some of the other running backs back there like Cameron Artis Payne. I mean, this is a team that should win, and if it's winning, I guarantee you they're going to get attention. Maybe nobody's talking about them right now because everybody's talking about Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Josh Rosen because that's what this time of the year is about. But if Carolina's winning in the fall, there'll be plenty of people talking about them, Ethan. Thanks for those voicemails. Make sure you keep them coming for future podcasts. Just make sure you leave your name and your question by calling 860-506-5779. All right, Josh, thank you very much for that little outtake there on the voicemails this week. Thank you to all the listeners for calling in and leaving us your Ask Adam questions. Thank you very much to Oklahoma head football coach Lincoln Riley, who joined us in the first segment on this podcast. And a big thank you to Coach Steve Wilkes, the Arizona Cardinals' new rookie head coach, who's got a tremendous opportunity and three quarterbacks on his roster now that were not there when he first took that job. We'll be back with another edition of the Adam Schefter Podcast next week. Thanks for listening, everybody.